Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Bills victorious today. 14 to 3 over the Detroit Lions. 14 to 13. That's right. I'm Lars. Joining me today, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. It really feels like we scored more points than that. <laughs> and also, the president of the Bills Backers of Chicago, Sujit, is also here. We needed to score more points than that. There was a spread of two and a half. Come on. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search for Bills and Beers on the Google machine. That'll pull up our Podbean page. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, do so and tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found us. Let's not waste any time, gang, because this is our fifth win of the season to talk about. Woo! So we're going to have that, Vegas. We're just going to get right into it. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. So I want to be very clear and make this distinction right up top. This was two Josh Allen scores were the difference in this game. He ran one. He threw one 14-3. We only needed 14 points to win. We got the win at home in December. Wasn't all pretty, though. We'll get back to all the things that were fun about this game, but for now, Cass, I'm going to start with you. Your Jenny Cremail bummer of today's contest. So I'm going to start out my bummer of the contest by telling about my, one of my first jobs. I used to babysit a lot, and there are two young boys. And always had a great time. We play a lot of football, but one of them would always behave badly. I think they made a deal. They'd be like, you behave well, and I'll behave badly. And it switched. You never knew who was going to be what. My bummer of the game goes to the defense, because I think they said to the offense this week, hey, we're going to shit the bed. They gave up they, 13 points. They, yes. Yeah, they, I know, but the defense consistency. The Lions are not a good team, and we let them own our defense. Trey White didn't even show up. We couldn't put any pressure in Stafford. We couldn't take him down. You couldn't sack him. I just, they need, we keep saying, oh, the defense is a good part of this team. The defense is a good part of this team. Well, this game, the defense was not the good part of this team. I will say that they weren't great, but they also got beat repeatedly on plays where Stafford was under pressure threw dimes in spite of pressure, and then the receiver made a great play in spite of that. So that that just happened to happen like you gotta close four, it out. four times today. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not altogether disagreeing with you, but you got to give them some credit. That Callaway, Calladay, Calladay, whatever his name is, had a great first half. He had a great first half, and that was almost the difference in this game. And it was all on third down. It was all when they needed it. And, and I, 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 wanna, I have a treatise on this that I want to end this segment with. So we'll come back to it. We will come back to this because you're not altogether wrong. Suge, coming to you now. Uh, kind of in the same vein of – actually, no. You've already talked about the defense, so I'm not going to talk about Levi Wallace and Trey, Trey White not having the best games in the world. But I am going to talk about our receivers. Dear God. Allen, by the miracle of life, uh, threw for over 200 yards. He should have thrown for well over 300 yards yep. if we had actually caught the ball. Uh, I mean, not to mention the fact that there was that pass interference that gave us the ball on yeah, the five-yard line. That P.I. took that 50 yards off the board. 50 yards and a touchdown, right? And then you add on to that. He got the touchdown that, with his legs. He got the touchdown, right. But 
but still, like if, if we're talking about him as a passer and all those other things, then and then the the other side of that is that you know so that's fifty yards there, forty yards there. Then the uh, Deontay Thompson that it hits. If, I'm sorry if you're an NFL receiver and it hits you in the hands, even if you're laying out for the also ball, you gotta catch better. it. And, okay, okay. Here's the other thing too. There's a reason, and this was brought to our attention uh, last week, thanks to our friends at B Bills MNY. Deontay can Thompson. We, can we have him back on this week? I'd like to do that. Yeah, we should, again. I, yeah I wish I'll have him back on next he's week. He's like, no, dude, this is my gig. Okay. And also, <laughs> like, he's like, this is my podcast. This is what we do. No, on my podcast. I would. I will have Paul on to do that segment. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, Paul is going to be like, no, go listen to our podcast for that segment. <laughs> and, and also, we can't just give you our best segment. It's because it's this day in headlines, so like he has to do a fair bit of oh, research yeah, yeah. for it too. Um, but I will say that. So he brought to our attention that was something that was very surprising to me last week, that Deontay Thompson has been on and off this roster since 2014. Okay? Yeah. If that's a better receiver, he doesn't have to lay out. And if he does lay out, he catches the ball. Deontay Thompson is not a good receiver. Yeah, folks. I mean, if and, you're and not if he was, the Buffalo Bills. He wouldn't have been, yes, he wouldn't <laughs> have been signed and cut from the Buffalo Bills five times since 2014. Now, we'll, uh, go ahead. If Kids you, got if, heart. If, Kids if, got heart. If you want to continue with your diatribe yeah, okay, on the so, receivers, because I've got more to add here. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, okay, so Deontay Thompson, you got to catch the ball. Um, you know, and, and, and the, um, who else? Zay Jones, right? I mean, at least at some point in the game, I looked, targeted one, targeted six, six. times and caught one ball. Uh, and I'm sorry, those it's not like those corners are that much stronger than him. Like, he can fight for the ball. He can get... You know, so they were contested throws, but I mean, you got to catch the ball. And then that one where it was like, he literally caught it, he caught it, and then just couldn't go to the ground. But that was that that series where there was like three repeated drops, and it's just like, what, what's this kid supposed to do? So, um, you know, Josh had a great game, and I, I don't have to fight with you this week. Yep, I don't and, you know, you know. <laughs> so we're gonna come back to all of these things, and I'm gonna touch on it all because I, I wrote down a bunch of names we haven't talked on, so I'll touch on them briefly. Trey White's name came up. Okay, so here's the deal. The last two weeks, quarterbacks and wide receivers have been attacking Trey White and have been making great plays, either great throws or great catches or a combination of the two, when they go after Trey White. So the question is, you have to make a great throw and a great catch if you want to beat Trey White. But what I always say is that these are professionals. And I think sometimes they're a little gun-shy to make the great throw and to let their wide receiver make a great catch. And I do kind of worry that the likelihood of making a great throw and a great catch in the NFL is much higher than teams think it would be. And if they only went after Trey White more frequently, we would see this more often. And here's the thing. Trey calls himself, you know, is known as being kind of a shutdown corner. If you're shut down corner, then shut it down. I, I don't care if it's a at perfect the same throw. Like, he's right there. I, mean, I know he's right there, but put your arm up. Put, he's like, but, but, there's well, like I, one little, like small little piece that he's not executing correctly to like I, make agreed, it a shutdown. To, to be the uh, greatest of all time. But what I'm suggesting, Cass, is there's no such thing as a shutdown corner because all the throwers and all the catchers are good enough that they can overcome even the best coverage. Look at what, look what fucking Andre, uh, or DeAndre Hopkins did last night. I mean, you can't guard him. You can't guard him. If the ball's close, he's going to catch it. And even with, with the way the rules are and everything else, but there are receivers and there are throwers in this in this league that are good enough that you flat out cannot expect 
a player to guard them. And, and my, my fear is that the league might start to figure this out, and a guy like Trey White, who's always there, is, is going to get exposed for, like, yeah, you're always there, but there's nothing you can do about it if the ball's in the vicinity. Galladay is not Hopkins. Sorry. That's fine. So, I mean. But he did make great plays today. He Suge, did. Suge, what, he did. what do you want to add? Well, so, you know, remember, I think it was Leotis, right, for the majority of his career, Leotis McKelvin, would be there but couldn't make a play on the ball. And I think that's where Trey is lacking, at least lately. Um, you know, and. Which it, it, may it, explain why he was the 27th pick in the draft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, we're all we're all thrilled about Trey White as, as, as a whole, right? There's, there's no question. But. He, you know, he was there that that one, the, the first throw, right, that, that he got burnt on, he was there. He even turned his head a little bit, but he couldn't track the ball. So it's not enough to just be there. You, If you're that good and you want to be considered a shutdown corner, I, and I do believe that there are shutdown corners because there's a lot of really good quarter, corners that if they were in that position, they would actually get the pick, right? And and he's not getting the pick. He's not even putting his getting his hand up on the ball. So uh, just a couple of the names to touch off on because we did win, so we should be dwelling on the negative. Now, I could give this to Deion Dawkins because he's had a rough couple stretch with penalties and other things. Part of me thinks, well, this dude is like single-handedly trying to anchor a very poor offensive line. I, maybe that's giving him too much credit, a little too much leeway. I don't know. We could also give it once again to Danny Crossman uh, because our special teams, Terrible. however you cut it, are bad. But uh, I'm giving my Jenny Cream Ale to the guys at the bar who cannot sing the shout song in rhythm. And after Jamie, who's a listener to this podcast, Jamie, thanks so much. You're a great guy. Uh, came by and even admitted that they, as a unit, have for more than a year now been trying to figure out what their problems are. They, they, they acknowledge that they have a problem singing and clapping in rhythm to the shout song, yet they can't. Figure it I, out. I don't and understand. It's so bad. It's, it's almost it's so like it's bad. reliable how slow they are. And like we're it's out of always... the playoffs. It's December. There's nobody in this bar. It's not like it's so quiet that they can't hear what's going on. Like, just listen. Are they those people that, like, when you're in a car with them and then the radio song comes on and they, like, start singing along with it and it's, like, just completely, like, not the right tune or just. That's they, obvious. Right? I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't understand. They kind of remind me of our offensive line. Well, speaking of the offensive yeah. line, speaking of yeah. the receivers, everybody like being, everything's being put in there for you. You have LaShawn McCoy. You have a you no, have a passing game. Like everything's right there for you. We're playing the shout song on the like. Remember back in the day, we didn't play the shout song. We used to have to sing it on our own, right? They're literally playing no it for you, and <laughs> you still can't put it together. And it's not a difficult song. Ah. Speaking of wide receivers, speaking of the offensive line, and everybody on this team who can't get it together, I'm giving my Labatt Blue MVP of the game to one other, none other, excuse me, than Josh Allen. Yep. Ah. Uh, I was going to take it. I love, and, and I feel, hey, folks, here, full disclosure, if you've been with this podcast for long enough, man love. you know that we used to talk similarly about Tyrod Taylor, and that took a steep dive last year. But this kid... When the ball is in his hands and when he's thrown from the pocket, I feel good about it. When he's running, I feel good about it. When we're down by seven points and we come back and win the game, I feel good about it. Lest we forget that when Tyrod Taylor was our quarterback, we went into a three-point deficit. There was a better than 80% chance that we were going to lose the game based on his record alone. That aside, 
Love Josh Allen's attitude. I love that we're getting the team to the line after a questionable Robert Foster catch. I love that we, I love that we can rely on this guy for a QB sneak to ice the game. I love that this guy is in the face of the referees constantly. I love that he's throwing dimes to Robert Foster out there. That touchdown pass to Robert Foster was a touch throw where Robert Foster needed to get to, and he made an undrafted rookie free agent look good going to get that ball. Josh Allen... I don't know what the future is for this kid right now, but I feel so good when the ball is in his hands. I can't wait to see what he does next week in Foxborough. Suj, coming to you. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch base on a few of those things, not just the, the throw to Robert Foster, but also the throw to Robert Kroom. Uh, that was also a touch his pass. His name is Jason. Jason Kroom, Robert Kroom, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Kroom. I got one of the names right. Kroom made right. a play. Kroom so made a play, but also that was a, that was a, a, a Kroom made pass. a play. Yeah, and we don't see these guys making plays often, which is why, in spite as I started it by saying, in spite right. of the line and the receivers, if you give him guys who can make a play on the ball, I mean, I think this whole thing is going to look a lot different in 2019. It sh- it, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm going to give mine to um, who's the third, fourth string running back that we have. What's his name? Know, Keith, Keith Ford. Ford. Keith Ford. Yeah, I mean, hey, the guy was a baller. He played. He played. He, he did a good job. There was one series where I think he was the entire offense for like five plays in a row, and then he was gassed. Um, but I think, actually, I will say that I think, our, how many yards rushing total did we have between, by committee? There was, uh, I think Over we, had, we actually were running the ball pretty effectively. So that's what I'm going to give mine to. So Ford went to Detroit and owned it? Oh. 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 Actually, Detroit came to Ford. Yeah, right. Um, I... I'm going to give mine, but before I do that, I do want to talk on the one thing about Josh Allen that I am so freaking excited about is 10 yards downfield over the middle is open. Yeah. Tyrod could not throw a ball across the middle for 10 plus yards. And that is something that Josh Allen can do. And God damn it, it makes me so excited. He, he, uh, I and, love and like, it. I, I'm not, we're not trying to be Pollyanna here, but. He's he's better every week. Every week. And Decision every week. making. He was rolling to the outside, and what was he doing? Throwing the ball away. If it wasn't there, he was throwing the ball away. He he's still rolling sometimes too frequently. Agreed. Agreed. His receivers still suck ass. Agreed. Um, but he is, yeah, like he's just better. I know. He, I when d- he has time to throw, I'm like, okay, here we go. Great. At least 18 yards yep. are going to be picked gonna, up right he's here. He's going to try to find somebody, and that's the reason why my Labatt Blue is Robert Foster. He should have. Yes. He should have had 150 to almost 200 yards and two touchdowns, because if he wasn't had if there wasn't pass interference on that play, he he would have been in you know caught for a touchdown. Yep. So, I mean, I know he's. I mean, we were saying earlier, we're like, is he going to be our number three, our number two next year? He's showing that yeah. when they throw him the ball, he makes a play on it. He does. He does lay out. He tries, and he's really our only threat downfield. So it was great to see him and that. That catch and the run in and staying in bounds and getting into the end zone, that was a thing of beauty. Love it. So you already gave yours, right? Yes, I did. So two other names I want to throw out there on the defensive side of the ball. I, I know that after a 3-13-point game, uh, we're all a little disappointed in the defense. Uh, but one name that we talked about late in the game and who made two huge plays late in the game, Poyer. Yeah. Okay? Yes. Uh you know, open we, field tackles. Open field tackles, and I want to. I want to come back to this in my treatise after I talk about Shaq Lawson, yep. who we were, who was drafted on this team to be a pass rush. He's not that, but he is. He's made key plays in pass blocks, 
the last couple weeks and, uh, you know, again, has, has not done much to warrant where he was drafted, but he's been a nice player. Now, go, if you got something to well, add, Well, just with the Robert Foster thing, the, the stat you brought up, uh, for in five games. 400 yards at least. 400, more, than, 400, more than 400 yards. So he's been 99 for one of the games or 94 for 94. one of the games, but he was over 100 for the other three games. So, so I mean, that's, I mean that's, a, that's, a, that's an NFL receiver. Yeah. Right. Yeah, extrapolated over 15 or 16 games. That's like 12, 1300 yards. And the one thing, because we come, we keep saying that Buffalo is a wide receiver wasteland. Like people come, wide receivers come to Buffalo and their careers die. The one thing that Josh Allen is showing is that's not true. No, that is not going to be true. And you know what? There should be a lot of wide receivers out there that are going to be free agents that would be freaking excited to come to Buffalo. They should be. And I, I want to pull back here for a quick second before we get our correspondence on the line. And I've teased this treatise a couple times. But I want to make very clear something that we're seeing right now. And we're seeing, we saw it again this week in spite of the win. And, and this is something that was foretold last year by the Bills and Beers crew. In 2017, we had a defense that was making impact plays, turnover plays that turned the tide of games on several occasions. We won games last year because of individual plays made by the defense. We have not made one of those plays yet this year, and there are only two games left on the calendar. Markets have a tendency to normalize. This defense, which we said last year we were getting way too many freebies because of these spectacular plays has come back down to earth and we're not getting them. That is why we are five and nine. The truth is somewhere in between. This team is neither a playoff team like they were last year, nor are they a five and nine, probably going to draft in the top eight next year team. The difference is, sometimes you get spectacular plays from your defense and sometimes you don't. Last year we got them. This year we are not. Hopefully, moving forward, next it's, year it's not a year over year balance, and maybe it's a week over week balance. But we're just not getting those plays. We're not getting the turnovers. We've gotten zero points from the defense or special teams this year, and those are the those are the plays that won us games last year that got us into the playoffs. We don't have a. So what it all nets out to is we probably should have been 7-9 last year. We should probably be 7-9 this year. Instead, it's, you know, 9-7 and seven in playoffs last year, probably 6-10 and 10 this year. Yeah, I mean, this is the tale of two halves of a season, right? I mean, we are, the, we are not the team that we were in the beginning of the season, um, you know, with that offense that was just completely dreadful. Now we have an offense. I mean, it's... Is it perfect? No. Do there, are there drops? Yes. But it's a it's a it's an offense. It's an NFL offense, and you pair that with a a, a, a very good defense. Yeah, they made mistakes over the past two uh, games, but like we said at the end of the day, they did only allow 13 points, um, and, and and they were getting them off the field when they should be. It's just that we want that yeah we want that impact play, but. This is a totally different team. If this, if we had this team to start the season, we would be, we we would not have the same record. If we had this team last year, if we had this offense last year, yeah, when our defense was making plays, but, but that's that's just it. It's it's like, it's a it's, it's just a bunch of different parts firing in opposite directions at different times, 
And, you know, people are having a tough time making sense of it, but I think you need to look no further than those impact turnovers and impact plays last year from the defense that we were wise to say at several points last season, this is not a sustainable model. This can't last. Now, granted, I don't think anybody expected that it would completely bottom out to the extent that now that we've seen, you know, all one, none the other, as opposed to splitting the difference somewhere. But that has been the difference. Cass, anything before we move on? I'm just, I know we have two games left in this season. I'm just so excited for 2019. Like, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to wait between January to September to see Josh Allen play again. God dang it, I'm so excited. I, You know, every week now, like, I'm excited for game day because when the Bills offense is on the field, we said it last week, we've said it multiple times this year, the Josh Allen show is must-see TV. And I hear you, girl. That nine months between January and September is is gut-wrenching. It's going to be so hard this year. And if they, if they, do, if they do, in fact build weapons around him in the offseason it's oh gonna make God. it it's gonna make it that much harder so uh let's get a correspondent on the line until then nice Love. Well, that sound means it's time for Tacos Calientes. It's Tacos Calientes. Arriba. I want some taquitos. As we all know, Tacos Calientes is Tex-Mex for hot takes. And here with those Tacos Mas Calientes is Jim and Jeff Day down in Austin, Texas. Jeff, how are we doing today, buddy? Well, hello, uh, friends. <laughs> nice to always have a victory Sunday. Um, right off the bat, I have to send my apologies to Brendan. Um, who I did not see at the bar because I was not there oh, today. Brandon Meister. Brandon. Yeah, sorry, Brandon. Brandon, apologies. Uh, twofold. Twice over. So um, I, I also want to interject one thing here because uh, the, the Jam and Jeff Day mind meld has been in effect for like two years. So listeners should know that we're on a group text through most of the game. Uh, but a lot of the stuff we talk about before we get Jeff on the line, he's not yet privy to. So if you hear some overlap, it's just because we're right and Jeff Day validates it. Love it. Love that preface. Yeah. So um, so go on and be right, baby. I love it. So, I mean, the first thing I wanted to say right off the top was, um, oh, I thought this was Josh Allen's best game as a pro. Um, <laughs> and... I, I, maybe the maybe the laughter is validation of something you guys yep, said earlier. Yeah, yep, yep, like I said, we were right, and you're just validating. So go on. Okay, yeah. So I mean, I thought this was <clears throat> this was the most sort of like a true professional quarterback game that he played, um, in the sense of it wasn't because of you know broken plays necessarily. It wasn't because he ran for a hundred yards. Um, he stood in there and and delivered and delivered accurate footballs. I mean, again, probably 50, 60, 70 yards lost because of a few drops. Yep. Um, so the stat sheet sort of lies yet again. Um, also, one of the biggest plays, and we've now talked about this probably four or five times on, on the pod, is the ability um, to, when the defense jumps off sides, yep. um, take a shot downfield. And, and again, in today's game, he drew a... I can't remember if this was actually off off of an offsides or not, but the pass interference to Robert Foster down the field. I may be confusing plays. Um, it was not. But, it was not, but he did try and do that, and then he was really mad when the uh, official didn't call the offsides. 
That's right, which I loved. And I was, I was commenting throughout the game today. One of my favorite aspects of this Josh Allen-led era, which I hope lasts for the next dozen years, this is the first time in a long time that we have a quarterback that you can hear throughout the game on the telecast. Yes. And I love it. And I think, you know, specifically what I mean by that is all of the pre-snap um, vocalizing that he's doing, including his his multi, I don't even exactly know what the football language is for it, but the, the snap count that is not just a snap the first noise that I make. And, and we finally have a quarterback out there who's like barking, you know, barking calls, barking signals. We've gotten at least half a dozen off offsides that he's drawn throughout the season. Um, and uh, I think what you're what you're are you're calling to, to question or you're calling to focus here is Josh Allen's incredible abilities to play quarterback, his arm and his legs combined with his gamesmanship. Mm. which has been lacking. I think it's either been one or the other, and he, for the first time, represents both. That's right. Yeah, I think that summarizes it well. And, you know, sort of what this pod in, in, in in some regard has become is a weekly assessment of are we seeing the progression out of Josh Allen that we need to see? Yep. You know, yes, we talk about many other things, but that, of course, is what all of Bill's nation is the most important thing and thus deserves our commentary on it in this pod. And yeah, I thought today was a, it was a leap forward. Um, no, you know, not just a step forward. I thought it was a leap forward in terms of his ability to look like a very good starting NFL quarterback. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would agree with that. And there's a certain things that we've talked about, you know, throwing the ball when, when you think you have an offside, you know, just launching it down the field and trying to get a P.I. Um, the, the chicken play that me and Cassie love so much where you just, you know, try and run a play when there's a questionable catch. Uh, but also what I saw today was moving around within the pocket, not escaping the pocket, moving around to buy himself more time to stay in the pocket and then throw the ball. It wasn't all just, you know, run outside the pocket. He actually moved around within the pocket, which was a, it's, it's a huge thing. He sidestepped and things like that. Um, so that that's another really exciting thing. And, um, you know, some of these passes that are that are a little bit more on target. Maybe he's his mechanics are improving or, 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 or and whatever. And those touch passes. And the touch passes. Yeah. The touch passes. Right. All of those the, things are – this guy, this is a, he's a rookie. The deep, he's a rookie that he didn't start the whole he's year. He's the rookie that everybody said needs a time off. He's like needs all the development in the world, but that that touchdown pass to Robert Foster was a touch pass, right? And, and it, go ahead. And I was going to say, and most importantly, or, or most impressively, I should say, is this is all being done with the absence of any any yeah. like strong run game. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, pick what you want yeah, to say. Yeah. It's without. It's without a run say, yeah, game. It's without an offensive line. line it's without a wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, it's without anything. That's right. So, you know, I mean, yes, we, you know, we continue to have, you know, our wide receiver group has been overhauled now sort of midseason. Um, and I think we'll continue to go through some measure of, of overhaul in the offseason as well. But, I mean, all of this is being done with, with no running game, with, with or without McCoy, Ivory, Murphy, um, Keith Ford. Ford. You know, yeah, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's Patrick DeMarco. Right. Um, you know, and so when, when all of a sudden we were able to um, add a productive running game and even have more proficiency off the play action, I mean, watch out. 
I mean, just watch out. I mean, this is this is exciting stuff that we're seeing. We are seeing like we are seeing chunk Damn, plays. Exciting stuff. I mean, we're seeing excite like even in the Tyrod era, it felt like you know some of the chunk plays maybe were off of broken plays or whatever. You're like we're we're seeing some chunk plays that are just like the result of like true, just like you know some a talented player making a good play, a good call. I mean, I don't. It's like I'm I'm enjoying watching the offensive side of the ball the last few weeks. And today, you know, we only put up 14 points on the scoreboard. We only had 310 yards total offense, but it felt. The, every time the, the offense is on the field, I feel, for the first time in a long time, I feel like we can go down and score. And and you know why you like watching the offense? And this is something we talked about today, Suj and I. The number of three and outs has decreased right. dramatically. And we actually see an offense because yeah. the offense is on the field for, like, multiple <laughs> plays to make a series. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love it. I, uh, that really can't be overstated, and, and it really shouldn't be from the podcast here who for the last three years was so down on the high amount of three and outs that we had that it has gone in the opposite direction. Really, really should we, – we would be irresponsible if we didn't note that. So, Cassie, thank you for making and is that there, And is there a way to get that stat, Lars? You know yeah. about all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's get that stat cool. from since when Josh Allen came back, right – as I think it was out there. I think, I, no, I think it was somebody did. Oh, tweet that's a known it. thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, now, go ahead. No, I was gonna. Um, I was gonna. I was gonna bring up something that I that I that I that I don't necessarily have a strong, um, you know, necessarily point of view on. But I think it's what's. It, what I would love to get some a commentary on a little bit is the role of tight end in this offense. Um, you know, Charles Clay has been largely <laughs> absent was from just the taken over the by a ghost. <laughs> and. And and so you know the, the question for me is is it a is it a specific player thing is it Charles Clay, is it just a is it is it, a, is it an offensive strategy and play calling thing I don't ex- I don't know the answer to that I don't know if it's something that you guys have chatted about. Um, it's a great well, question. But, you know, no, it's a great question because yeah. I think that what we saw what we've seen is Greg Roman was probably more in that vein of like the Hernandez Gronk, two pass catching tight ends who you have to respect in the passing game. So it opens up the running game because we have them both on the line to a more a, a, you know, a little more of a modern take from a more of like four wide, one one running back, five wide, where it's a more receiver heavy offense. Now, I could be completely talking about my ass here. I don't know. Jason Kroom seems to be a wide receiver, or excuse me, a tight end that they picked up who is more of a receiver than a blocker. But it sure seems as though the role of the tight end, to your point, has been diminished in this offense, and they'd rather get it done with receivers and running backs. Is that a little concerning mm. that that it's coming from a former tight ends coach that was on the Patriots, right? Like, that's our offensive coordinator. Maybe. Right? This is a guy who, like, knows his tight ends, right? And he knows how to use tight ends really well, and you know, and yet he doesn't want to, maybe because he's not that thrilled with the tight ends we have. But the theory is that as teams spread you out to take advantage of bigger and slower defenses, then defenses will get smaller and faster and then the teams that are set up to be big and pound you up the middle will be will be the ones that are the advantage. I think that we're very much in the transition. I think that that that, that may come to fruition, but people who are calling for that overlook the fact that like that's it's going to take like five years for that to turn over. But in the meantime, we're not in the power eye 
take advantage of all the defenses that have suddenly shifted their personnel to be small and fast. So in the meantime, I think it does, Jeff, to your point, behoove an offense to field players who are fast and nimble as opposed to big and, and versatile. And, you know, that's a transition that we saw this during the course of the season, right? We started off the season with a bunch of big-bodied wide receivers thinking that's what our, our QBs would need. And then as time went on, we exchanged them for speed guys. That's a great and, point. And today, one of the things that, you know, circling back to our, our, our beginning commentary here around Allen was – what we've wanted to see out of Josh is progression in the short to intermediate throws. Yes. And today, especially in the first half with McKenzie, you know, hit four or five passes that, um, you know, were all with like four to seven, four to eight yards. He had like seven catches, Cass. Yeah. What's the number? Sorry, Mc- what? I, I was looking. How many catches did Isaiah McKenzie have? Not yet. Go ahead, Jeff. Keep talking. But Cass, yeah, I mean, I think, my, I think Cass McKenzie, on social I'm going to guess that he had five or six catches for 55 yards, something like that, yeah. which is a stat line that I love. And it all it's came in the first half because he, yeah. he got hurt. And speaking of Six receivers, receptions yeah. for 53 yards. Right. Wow, there we go. So speak, speaking of receivers, I mean, we have to acknowledge this sort of like comeback story of the year for within the Bills organization, which is, which is none other than Robert Foster. Yep. I mean, this is a guy who is an undrafted free agent out of Alabama, didn't really even crack the starting lineup at Alabama, you know, didn't have much production there, goes undrafted from a good program, gets to the Bills, starts this, you know, makes the team, then within two weeks, like, you know, he he goes out there and he was, if you guys remember earlier in the season with Josh Allen, right, they connect, they they don't connect on a couple of long balls. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he gets pushed back down to the practice squad. You know, we're not exactly sure why. We sort of find out later. I think it's just he, was, you know, he didn't really understand what it was meant to be a pro. Right. That was the lesson that he clearly needs. Gets brought up, and all the guy has done since being brought back up to the league is catch 100 yards in every game he's been in. <laughs> yeah, he's, so, mean, so he's had 100 yards in three of the last four games, and one of those games he had 94. <laughs> I, mean, I mean. Sorry, three it, of the last five. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I mean, again, I think, hey, coaches or players need different motivations and different tactics work. And clearly, whatever happened with him being brought back down to the practice squad, maybe realizing how fragile life in the NFL is, whatever it was, whomever has been a part of that, you know, um, that that process for him, trust the process, um, you know, it's, it's clearly played a, an important role in, in, in who now has become him and, and McKenzie, who've become the, yes. the, the the engine of this offense. And I think maybe what he's seen was we've brought in a lot of wide receivers, bigger names, first round draft picks, all this stuff, gave him an opportunity and cut him. And maybe he's sitting here saying, like, all I need to do is, is practice, show up, become the professional that they want me to be, and, and they'll let me play. It's. You know, there's an opportunity here, and he saw it, and he went after it, and he did it, and he and he knows the Bills will give you an opportunity if you just make happen what they want you to do. That's an excellent point, Cass. But Jeff, as you're talking about this, this is also a backhanded critique of Zay Jones. Correct. Now, yeah, I, I, you know, you go ahead. I know that you have been low on Zay Jones and came back on Zay Jones these last couple weeks. Seems like we're all back to being low on Zay Jones. I know. I, I, I issued an apology to Zay Jones on this podcast approximately three and a half weeks ago, and uh, and, and, and that, that apology is on the verge of being rescinded if our friend Zay Jones, who we know is putting in the effort, we know he puts in the effort, but if our friend Zay Jones continues to have trouble catching contested balls or you know not particularly easy balls 
Um, you know, he had a couple today where he had trouble, you know, getting separation and, you know, inability to catch contested balls. And, you know, that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the rest of the season and into next year. He also had pretty bad pass interference on him a few times, and the refs neglected to call it. Agreed. So, yeah. I, I will say, though, that, like, I think that Zay Jones right now is in a position that, he's, that doesn't bode well for him. We talked at the end of the game. Is Robert Foster our number two receiver going into next year? And if we pick up our number one, if Zay Jones is the number three, does that put him in a position where he's more likely to make plays? And I think yes. Right. Well, a lot of people talked about him being a slot receiver. You know, right, being, I mean. being your Andre Reid type yeah. of player. Yeah, in the middle you know? of the field. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. where he needs to be. I mean, he, he's definitely he, – he's not – you know, he, he never was, you know, a number one wide receiver. That's not, that's not what he can be, and I think you're right. I think if he's, if he's the third receiver on a team, terrific. Yeah, I, th- I think he could be a very good number three receiver, but in the meantime, and he's a leader a, and a leader from that position too. And but in the meantime, he's a poor number two receiver or Agreed. one, whatever he is. I, I will say that I'm literally watching another number eleven, but it's the number eleven from the Patriots, Julian Allen, who just dropped a ball that was bounced off of his chest. Perfectly what did you thrown. just call him? What is his name? Julian Edelman? <laughs> what's his name? You say <laughs> Gillian Alien? Who's that? What is the matter with you? What, what's his name? Sujit. Edelman, right? Yeah, Edelman. That's not what you said. What's I mean, his first you name? You said Gillian. Like, no, what? Julian. <laughs> Isn't it Julian Edelman? Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? That's what I yeah. said. It is I mean, not we'll what you said. We have we'll it on record. Okay, okay no, 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 no. Well, that's what I meant to say. I'm okay, sorry. But, but anyways, say. what I'm saying is that, you know, even good receivers do drop the ball. But you're right. It's been – it's something – and again, I'd like to – Tell the listeners here that we do not talk about what we talked about before. So all this stuff about Robert Foster and Zay Jones's drops are not something that we talked about. Jeff is just validating us. That's right. So hey, uh, hey, go ahead. I was going to say, last thing I'll say here, is, is it just me or was I the only one that did not know Brady Quinn has become an announcer? Yeah. In the, uh, was, is it, I, I did not. Andy should okay. be a, a endorser of proactive because the boils on his face are gone. Thank oh, he's God. looking good these days. Actually, when I saw him on TV, I said Fancy. maybe Cassie's got a little something wow. something more Brady Quinn these days. Kitty likes to scratch. Boy. Hey, uh, Cassie also would like to point out another good-looking receiver. Uh, Who's that? Isaiah McKenzie. He's a good-looking. He guy. is a really good-looking. He's got face symmetry beyond belief. <laughs> I he's mean, got what? face symmetry. His face is really symmetrical. Right, it is beautiful. Here. Jeff, what else you got for us? What else you got for us? Oh, sorry, you said face symmetry. That's I, what I she said. said. Okay, I thought you said face in a tree like it was some new Gen X term that I, you know. Um, that's all I got. It was it was fun to have a close game that we came out victorious. Um, um, well, what were you drink, What were you drinking down there today? It was a clean game. That's that's true, with the exception of a flag flown on the opening kickoff. I had. Um, some spiked apple cider in God terms of getting a little Jeff. festive okay. today. So, so I know this is, <laughs> I know this is filled with beers, but it, I, I feel like it's part of my segment to defy the, um, yeah, and, and pure, in pure yeah. yuppie format. That's yeah. Yeah. A spiced yeah. apple cider. Yeah. Oh, spiced boy. apple cider. So I, I washed it down with an ice cold Bud Light. So you know what can I say? Good for um, you, buddy. Hey, uh, we'll be uh, in touch next week. We're gonna set up the rig. We're all gonna be remote. Again, like we were for Thanksgiving. Uh, but until then, uh, give Teresa a big kiss and go Bills. Go Bills.
Well, he's the hardest working Chicago landlord living in Milwaukee. It's Buffalo Bill Nichols here to tell us what he's going to fix. Yes, fix it. He's Mr. Fix It. Buffalo Bill, we so we haven't heard from you in a couple weeks. We're very happy to have so you back. So glad. So glad to have you back. <laughs> You're glad that and you haven't heard from him in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. No, so glad to have him back. And it's it's a we won today. So, hey. you know, picking the thing that we have to fix may be a little hard, but uh, you know, the floor is yours. Wow us. Yeah. So, hey, well, I got a question first. Explain to me what the uh just fix it. What's that from? Okay, it's an SNL skit with, uh, is it Keenan yeah. Thompson? Uh, where he basically, like, is, uh, I was on the, the, whatever, the weekend update thing, and he was a special correspondent, and they were like, oh, yeah, so what's wrong with the political system, or, like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. All we need to do is get together and just fix it. And so, like, they're like, okay, so how exactly? He's like, you need to find the problem, you need to identify the problem, you need to isolate the problem, and then you need to fix the problem. So that's your, that's, <laughs> so that's just, your charge, it's Bill. Fix it. So go on, like go, go look up, just fix it. All right, I will. Presumably um, after your, your segment. So, yeah, right. So, so I'm actually, I'm in, I'm in my basement right now, okay? And my, <laughs> over the past two weekends, Okay, well, let me start. Let me start. Start by telling you this: my basement was mint green before. Lars, I, I forget whether or not you ever saw it. Didn't see the it. It was like no, it didn't. Mint, yeah, mint green walls. Sounds like there was, there was a, a reason nobody's seen the basement. Yeah, tile floors finished, right? But like, sounds like this metaphor is going to be pretty literal. Go ahead. Fin- finished horribly by the previous owners. Okay, so here I am. The past couple weekends, and mind you. You know, I don't do a lot of handiwork. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Ah. Yes. However, I'm not the best in the world at it. Um, (laughs) Thought counts. Exactly. But uh, Carrie's dad and I uh, redid the uh, wall paneling. We redid. We got new carpeting in here. And it's quite representative of the bills at the moment. As (laughs) right now... The basement is, is is far far from finished. I mean, I'm looking at. I use a nail gun. There's oh, I holes. Like in, I like where you're going. I hole, like where you're going. There's holes in the wall paneling. We've got probably yeah, not where probably, he's going, but let's, let's, there's there's let's there's probably an, another another um, you know layer of, of paint that needs to be put on everywhere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. TV the TV is not hung up. Please but, don't fucking disappoint yeah, me. We, but, we, dude, just get to but, it. Dude, Liam, listen. Liam is able to like run around. Hey, buddy. He's able to just run around, fall flat on his face, and not get hurt. I want one you know, of those. We're, we're able to sit down here in like now like what is the warmth of a basement. And it's just like being able to watch our bills like actually get first downs. I mean, seriously, rewind to last year, basically all previous 17 years, and we're watching our team struggle to get first downs we're watching them have third and nine third and 14 third and 16 after another and now we're now we've been watching them more consistently have third and fours third and threes so like hey that's an improvement guess what fourth and one we actually get a fourth and one to seal the game i mean when's the last time that happened so you know things like that yeah we've got a long way to go but baby it's starting to feel good it's starting to feel like home and i'm loving it so what are you fixing about this Buffalo Bills team, Mr. Fix-It? No, he's commenting on the fix in progress. Okay. Yeah. That is the most elegant thing that Bill has ever done in, like, a long time. So don't 
Don't you talk That's, bad about Bill's, I agree, Bill's but metaphor. That was a beautiful metaphor. We have to make it a little less elegant, a little more direct, probably for most of our <laughs> listeners. No, no, no. They get it. They get it. I was really, I was really scared that you were going to go on some right turn. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna, no, but I agree, man. This is a different team. And, and, I, I want to know, and who, who in this metaphor is Liam? Who in the metaphor is Liam? All right. Um, Liam is... Robert Foster. That's a great question. Josh Allen, baby. I agree. That's what I was hoping for, but let's see what Bill says. Well, explain to me that. You're, you're trying to build an environment for which he can thrive. Yeah, and, you And everybody can just sit go. back and relax and let him do his thing. And you don't mind if he runs around and gets hurt a little bit. Like, not hurt. Time. Like, literally, I don't want him to get hurt, but learn some lessons. <laughs> it's a couple minor go. injuries you know, here and there. I got, cut him loose. I want, I, want, I want to interject. I disagree. That the jo- I think Josh Allen is actually the carpet that you put in or whatever you put in to safeguard the team because no, I think it Josh is Josh Allen's, Allen which has allowed the Josh team Allen to Josh Allen is whatever reasonable. heats the room. Josh Allen is, yeah. is, is the kerosene like heater in the It's in the thing that makes it livable, right? Yes. Because yes. if it wasn't for Josh Allen and we all only so had who is this Liam? line. Who is Liam? So Liam is Robert Foster, a I person think, who, I think, I who thrives think, in an otherwise horrible condition, would otherwise be I in think, a bad position. I think Liam is our future cornerback, too. Our future cornerback, too? Yes. Whoever's going to play opposite of Trey White moving forward. That is See, Liam, now you've lost wait, Liam is the cornerback and the carpet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting confused, man. You're twisting I know, it. I know. It's too much. Bill, it's what were you drinking up there in Milwaukee today? You know, <laughs> wait, hold on. But you did the Josh. You said Josh Allen is the basement as a whole? No, Josh, no, Josh Allen is what makes the basement livable. I agree with Suge. Liam, Liam uh. is actually us. Running around, yeah. having well, a great time watching. <laughs> right, we get a little injured, you know. We get, you know, when we bounce off the walls, yeah. we don't get a win. Liam represents Bills Mafia. Oh my exactly. God, I love that. Nailed we can actually it. have fun watching games, even to win or lose. We can have fun watching games. Yeah, it is. It is. It's honestly, it's it's a fun thing to be able to sit back and not have the pressure of of care, really caring about a win or a loss, and just being able to watch for someone's development and looking for the good things as opposed to the bad things um you know i I have low expectations for for josh allen and so far he's exceeding them and you know i love it i have high expectations for josh and he's exceeding even those what were you drinking up in milwaukee today i was drinking uh i went i grabbed the cold cold brew ipa again from rogue uh, wait, wait, wait. Tell me about this. What is a cold brew IPA? Yeah, well, if you like IPAs, uh, and I do you like, <laughs> and you and you like cold brew. Oh, it's a coffee IPA. Yeah. Oh, nice. Weird. But it doesn't. It's not like a coffee stout. It's literally like a. It's. I mean, it tastes like literally a cold brew mixed with an IPA. I just threw it's up in my mouth. Delicious. Well, Bill, we're so glad to have you back. It's a, it's a three o'clock in the afternoon we, beer. When you we just appreciate want a little the, bit. The, the muted and extended metaphor. So yes. thank you. I'm, I'm, oh, glad, yes. I'm glad that your basement is coming together. I'm glad that these bills are coming together. Next week, we're all going to be remote. Are you going to be back in Buffalo for Christmas? No, sir. I will be here in Milwaukee. Well, we will call you there in Milwaukee. And in the meantime, go Bills. Go Bills. Fuck the Pats. Fuck the Pats. Fuck the Pats.
Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card! It says Bills Ooh. and Beers. We talk about the Bills. We do so drinking beer. I started off the day with a little hop hazily from Beguile, and uh, I, I moved over to a Surly. It's okay. I'm not going to lie. That's great. Uh, I will say we are a... a a constant promoter of what comes out of the Stone Brewery in San Diego, particularly the Enjoy By series. We talked about it, I think, last week. And Suge got the a... The Brute IPA. Suge got a sixer for me, and I texted him this morning and said, you know, if you got it, hold on to it. I'll pay you for it. I'll take it off your hands if you want, but I don't particularly want it because I got my hands on my own six-pack, and I didn't care for it. So, you know, you're allowed to not like everything. I don't have to like everything, and I want our listeners to know that we're honest when we like and we don't like things. I love it. I actually was at a, uh, a, a place called Beerhead in Elmhurst, Illinois, last night, and uh, I, I they were on tap, and I said, yep, yeah, put it as part of my flight. It was, it was great. By the way, so I drank the Azaka again, which I drank last week, um, but uh, I did go to Elmhurst Brewing Company uh, in, last night, and Cassie, you would love their Hellas. They have a couple. They have a lager. They have a bunch of Christmas beers. Uh, yeah, solid place. Decent food. Good stuff. Cass, what were you drinking today? Uh, I was drinking an American lager by Hopewell out of Logan Square called Clean Living. It's actually pretty good. Not bad. Um, they took off my favorite beer off the beer menu here at Lincoln Station, so that was kind of a little bit of a disappointment. But you know what I'm really looking forward to? We go to Colorado this week, and I am really excited for some good Colorado craft beers. Yeah. Can't wait. They do some good stuff up there, stuff that we don't get here in Chicago. Uh, so next week, I'm planning to have a little bit of uh, a reveal of what I'm liking from out there. Chicago just recently passed Denver in the most breweries in a city in the United States. I would not have guessed that it was Denver. That we were seeking to pass, but alas, yeah, I thought like San Diego. Or, San Diego. So the article was basically noting the fact that major metropolitan centers are just growing, right? That's like right. it's where the most people are. That's yeah. where the most breweries are, um, and so that's why we're just we're just growing. Well, also then you can have the business of like a tap room, right? And people will come to it, and yeah, it's 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 become more of like a three sixty of a business. Yeah, you know, where experiential. Yeah, very experiential. So last night, the wife and I, looking for a holiday movie, watched. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a 80s classic that I had not yet seen in its entirety until last night. I don't know if that would pop on holiday movie. No, like you a, missed the love actually or something? It's, it's a Thanksgiving movie, and actually five minutes into I said to her, I was like, you know, uh, Love Actually is on Netflix. Should we watch that instead? It's a John Candy, God rest his soul, and Steve Martin classic. A lot of people speak highly of it. The ending is weird as fuck. But aside from all of that, uh, you know, it's a classic just trying to get home from the holidays. Things get derailed. Odd couple. They can't stand each other. They keep crossing each other's path in their journey home to Chicago because, of course, it's a John Hughes movie, so everything is Chicago-centric, which is, you know, you know, bonus points for us here, Chicago Bills backers. Uh, but the question is, if you, Suge, were stranded... In New York City, and you had two days to get to Chicago, and you had to pick a Buffalo Bills player on the current roster to have a did he or didn't he, should we or shouldn't we roundabout adventure to get home, 
Who would that Buffalo Bill be? I want to add one other thing to it. You said that there was all these misadventures and a really weird ending. Yeah, right? Very. Have you not so, seen the movie? I had a long time ago. Have you seen the movie, Cass? Oh, come on. Yeah, you guys. I was the one who was behind the times having not seen this film. I've it seen is not it. appropriate that neither of you can weigh in on this because most of our listeners right now are saying, come on, you guys. This is a classic film. I would have chosen I saw love, it a actually. Long time ago. So I saw it a long spoiler time ago. Alert, spoiler alert. If you're a listener and have not yet seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and you intend to, even though it's a 30 year old movie, hit the skip ahead 15 second button on your phone. Because in the end, we find out that John Candy, homeless all along, and his wife has been dead for eight years. No reason for this to be the case. Hey, let's have John Candy over for Thanksgiving in our beautiful Chicago home that looks oddly like the McAllister home, also a John Hughes movie. Coming to you, Cass. You know, I'm going to take the easy one because I want 48 hours of pure entertainment and the only person that you are going to get that from on the Buffalo Bills is none other Jerry Hughes. than Trey White. Ah, man, that was mine. I mean, the guy is just literally a character. I follow a lot of players on Instagram, and so many of them post Trey White in the locker room. Like, he is always doing something funny. Yes. He is always doing something lighthearted, clowning around. He's that guy that you're just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have a good time. However... If I had to choose a Bills player and his wife, guys. Oh, my goodness. Jerry Hughes and his wife. I like them. Oh, I like hey, them. They, they went to the. Uh, I like him, she says about Jerry I like, Hughes. I like them together. They're a good couple. And you know what? They went to uh, the Bills. They had their ugly Christmas sweater party on huh? Monday or Tuesday. Jerry Hughes was literally wearing a like beer pong Christmas tree shirt. And they had so much fun with that. It looked like they were having a great time. I like them as a couple. Love it. So I'm going to give mine to a practical one here because, you know, I'd like to have fun. I'd also like to get home. And when I'm trying to get home, I want a survivor. I want a guy oh, who it, can change his stripes as the situation requires. And he may not be the most athletic guy on the field, but he's the smartest guy in the field, and he'll get to where that ball's going. You know who I'm going to say? It's Lorenzo Alexander. Yeah, yeah. Hell of a game today, too. We didn't touch on Hell him. of a Hell season. Yeah. You guys are taking all my ideas. He is having – and tell you what, you know, I, think, I mean, he started in this league as an offensive guard. He went special teams, then became a pass rushing, pass rushing specialist under Rex Ryan in the Bills. And now he's just a great strong side linebacker. And the crazy thing is, is like that sounds like somebody's like career history from high school all the way through the professionals. No, that is just in the pros. And that's starting in like 2003. This dude has been around for a while. So if I want a guy on my side, I want a guy who's a survivor. And you know what? If your car breaks down, he's going to know how to fix it. Or he's like, just going to carry me on yeah, his back. Exactly. Which he's been doing. That's the thing. You need never let you down. That's why he was my idea. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, I'm going to go the opposite way. Because you did say that there was a weird ending to the, to John, the, to John the movie. John Candy is homeless and his right. wife's been dead for eight years. So that's why I'm actually going to find a, more, a way to make the trip more interesting. Not just with entertainment, but the trip is actually going to get crazy. So I'm going with Jerry Hughes. <laughs> that crazy son of a bitch. Jerry or Gary? Oh, I want Gary. I actually want Gary in this situation. So we're going to be go going on the train, 
minding her own business, doing her own thing, and then they are going to try and close down the dining car early, right? And Jerry Hughes is going to lose his fucking mind. Gary Hughes. Gary Hughes is going to lose his fucking mind. Completely, completely, just out of proportion, get angry. And it's I'm going to be sitting there with my popcorn just watching. Just watching. Knowing that you're going to be a benefactor? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, right. At the end of the day, right. He's going to scare the shit out of that poor train conductor. And they're going to keep that car open. And we're going to get free drinks. So I'm hanging with Jerry. Gary Hughes. I, You know where I would have gone? I would have been like, you were getting into a knife fight at like a truck stop. Well, that also Josh, happened. Josh Allen? That's also happening. Okay, all that shit has happened. That's why it's going to be the most exciting trip back to Chicago ever. We need, we need to take this moment to, to reconcile the fact that Josh Allen is barring on the craziest player on our team. Yeah? That dude is a little bit unhinged, and that's why I love him. Okay. That's I know. I do feel like Jerry has like kind of toned it down a little. Maybe he's grown up. He's got that. He's well Aww. as 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 Cass and I'm Jeff crazy have, have pointed Jerry. out. That his when his Instagrams feature his kids, that's that's usually a signal that his game is going to be a little off. Can we also talk about him like sidestepping the quarterback today and just like not reaching out and like at least trying to touch him? Enough. Uh, you had to. You had. You could not for this, resist. Search for this podcast on, on iTunes, on Stitcher. Find us on Facebook, Twitter. Search for Bills and Beers. Fun game. We're going to Foxborough next week. We'll all be apart. They're going down. We're doing a little remote podcast. For, uh, you know, fucking Patriots number two game. Who knows how it's going to go? Who cares? We won today, five and nine. Let's 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 get some great players in the draft next year. Let's put some players around Josh Allen who we're all feeling great about. And until then, the season is lost. But and the season is won at the same time. That's right. So uh, until next week, when we talk to you again over Christmas, go Bills. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna shout.